0: It's actually a really controversial opinion, but I really like the later series of Red Dwarf.
1: Why do people not like it?
0: As Red Dwarf got more popular, a lot more money got poured into it, which is probably, it's, it's a good thing. But it also means they substituted a lot of the really witty dialogue with uh, special effects. And um, going to other uh, spaceships and meeting other things and having loads of visual effects and explosions and things. And not many people like that because they think it gets rid of what the show is originally about, which is the three guys, then four, just stuck on a spaceship three million years from Earth.
1: I'm going to get this completely wrong, but you can fill in the gap. Somebody approached a BBC person, the official title, and said, hey, here's this idea for uh, a show. And so it goes, I think, so the story goes, the uh, the description of the first scene said something like the layout of this... Um, this room, uh, is such. It's very industrial. It's such and such. It could almost. Here's the kicker. It could almost be, uh, somewhere at the back of a warehouse, or a corridor, in, in some BBC recording studio. Yeah. How accurate is that?
0: That's that's exactly accurate. I've got the scripts uh, downstairs, I think. Uh, but yeah, I've I've bought the scripts and it and it's got one of the it's got the end, which is the first episode script, and in yeah. it it says something like. Well, yeah, exactly what you just said. This could be the a warehouse or a corridor, maybe like the back of the BBC. And yeah, that's that's exactly where they filmed it. Actually, that's exactly where they filmed it. They that they, they just used like back corridors of the BBC and like uh, and and storerooms and things.
1: Because the BBC was pumping in a lot of money to Doctor Who at the time. Yes, I think so. The story goes.
0: Yes, yeah. And they thought it would never work. They thought it would never ever even get off the ground because. The exact note was: Who wants to watch a sitcom in space? Lots of people apparently want to watch a sitcom in space.
1: Uh, the two episodes, the three, two or three episodes I've seen so far, are really good. But they're I couldn't imagine once we get to like series thirteen, where it's all essentially, essentially, it sounds like a shit Star Trek.
0: Yeah, yeah. So the quality of the show and the style of the show changes really, really dramatically as you go through the series. Uh, you'll notice. Mm-hmm. Uh, after season two, uh, it, t- it does a really dramatic style change as more money is pumped into it. It becomes less two guys in a bunk room having a chat who happen to hate each other. Uh, and it, it becomes more uh, much more special effects. They completely change the sets uh, to make Red Dwarf look bigger. The ship. Yeah, so to to make it look more a lot more like a ship. And every single time they do that, uh, it's described as... Oh, they've just decided to go and find some better quarters. Why do they want to stay in their old crummy bunks when they can go and have an like an, an officer's room, for example?
1: That's fair. Yeah. So it jumps the shark, like, really early. Yes. In terms of, like, taking a significant dip in... Uh, I wouldn't say production quality, because the production quality skyrockets upwards, but general quality takes a dip. No,
0: actually, I'd, I'd say no. It just changes. Really? Yeah, I'd...
1: You're saying, so it doesn't get worse, it just gets different? It
0: just gets different. People don't necessarily hate the 13th series. They hate series uh, 6 and 7 onwards, up until series 10. That's the point where Chris Barry leaves. He's the guy who plays Rimmer. Chris Barry's only in four episodes of uh, series 7. And they introduce a new character that completely changes the, the dynamic of the show.
1: If he leaves like four episodes into series six, what happens? Because that sounds like watching a Wallace and Gromit film, and like halfway through, Gromit just like disappears.
0: No, it's um, it's made to make sense in universe. In that,
1: yeah, but he's like the main guy in
0: series six. An alternate dimension version of Rimmer is revealed, called Ace Rimmer. Okay. <laughs> and he's, like, a proper, like, Tom Cruise-type character. And uh, he manages to jump into their universe and meet uh, the... He meets Rimmer, and then in Series 7, Rimmer pretty much goes off and becomes the new Ace Rimmer, so he goes off and he explores the universe, and... Right,
1: who's, uh, Ace who's Ace Rimmer played
0: by? Uh, same guy, Chris Barry.
1: Okay, well, I thought he, he disappears, he leaves.
0: Yeah, so he leaves two episodes in to Series... Seven, mm-hmm. uh, and then he comes back twice for flashbacks. Okay. Uh, so yeah, so Chris Berry leaves Ace. R- uh, both Rimmer and Ace Rimmer leave the show, and is replaced by an alternate, uh, an alternate uh universe version of Christine Kaczynski.
1: Who's Christine Kaczynski?
0: Lister's ex.
1: Oh, I see. Okay, so he disappears. Yeah. Like kind of apropos of nothing. Yeah. And then is replaced immediately by another character. There isn't just. Credits uh, opening credits roll of episode three. Rim is just not there, and Lister's in bed, just by himself.
0: It makes sense in in universe.
1: There's like an immediate. There's like an immediate swap.
0: There's an immediate swap in the sense of about I think two episodes. In it happens over two episodes. So he leaves in one. She appears in the one afterwards. By the end of series eight, which is where they have a ten year break, they've been working together solidly for about 10 years Mm -hmm. uh by the time it restarts again so in 2009 with back to earth which is supposed to be a movie actually anyway um with with back to earth and then with series 10 i think a few years later i can't remember the exact date. they've also like matured as actors the writer well the, the writer by this point has developed in like his stories and things as well they can um the writing's better, they they, they kind of revert back to series one, series two in terms of style. It's much more isolated stories, in Red Dwarf, Monster of the Week type thing.
1: Is this before or after Craig Charles did Robot Wars?
0: After, yeah. yeah.
1: Robot Wars changed Craig Charles.
0: I haven't seen Robot Wars.
1: He really spread his wings as an actor, uh, <laughs> being the presenter for Robot <laughs> Wars. I love him actually, that was my first experience of Craig Charles, with Robot Craig
0: Wars. Charles is great. He's yeah. great. Also, like, uh, Red Dwarfs actually was at the time completely groundbreaking in terms of like diversity on screen. Oh, really? Well, yeah. I mean, you've got
1: when was it recorded?
0: Uh, uh, eighty eight.
1: Okay, tell me more.
0: Well, you've got uh, uh the cat who's played by Danny John-Jules, who's a, who's a, who's a black actor. You've got Chris mm-hmm. Barry, who's white, and you've got um what's his name? Uh, yeah, Craig Charles, Craig Charles, <laughs> Craig the, Charles main guy. the main guy, Craig Charles, who is uh, mixed race.
1: And also, oddly enough, and unfortunately, Scouse
0: and Scouse, which is
1: the unforgivable.
0: Worst. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, for the, yeah, for the time, it's it's completely. I'm gonna go with the word unprecedented. <laughs> yeah. No, it's. um okay. Craig Charles was uh, was a stand-up. Chris Barry did some voices on Spitting Image. And the cat, uh, the cat, uh, and Danny John-Jules was um, a dancer, and then uh, oh, wow, okay. and then Robert um, Robert Llewellyn, when he joined uh, was a. I think he'd done some shows at Edinburgh uh, at Edinburgh Fringe, and that was He's about Crichton, it. He's
1: isn't he? He's the robot. yes,
0: yeah. He appears in season three, mm. which some people really like. Written, some people really hate. Crichton. I like Crichton. I
1: don't. I don't like Crichton. That
0: might be because the episode you watched was from, is one of his first, and he hasn't, like, gone to his stride as a character yet. It's all a bit awkward.
1: Yeah, maybe. I'm, I'm willing to give Crichton a chance. But it's, I don't like his voice.
0: Yeah, that doesn't change.
1: <laughs> I, oddly enough, uh, I find myself in a funny position where I really enjoy the character of Lister, mm. who's Scouse, but mm. really don't like the robot who isn't Scouse. <laughs>
0: Craig Charles is just incredibly charming.
1: Craig Charles is incredibly yeah. charming. He was a perfect fit for Robot Wars.
0: He's the perfect fit for Dave. We're talking about Red Dwarf. <laughs> I've
1: got a serious... I've got a serious... There's love. There's so much love in my heart for Robot Wars. that uh, You introduced me to Red Dwarf, so I'm going to introduce you to Robot Wars. But particularly the series that, uh, that Charles did. There are other ones and they're great, but uh, particularly the ones that Charles did.
0: Okay. Yeah, I haven't really seen them. I just, I mean, they're robots and they have walls. And...
1: It's like a poor man's Transformers, but it's really good. Where were we? Instead of just talking about Craig Charles, we didn't like, I didn't like Crichton. You don't like Crichton. I Carson. don't like Crichton. Mm. I don't like Crichton. I'm you sure he's a had, nice actor. You
0: haven't had the chance to get to know Crichton.
1: My favourite character is the cat, easily.
0: The cat is great. Danny John Jules is fantastic. <laughs> yes,
1: he is fantastic. Actually, every single one of them except Crichton is great.
0: You haven't met Crichton? Actually, the
1: episode I've seen in Crichton, I didn't like it.
0: Actually, you might prefer the uh, David David Ross's version of Crichton, because Crichton appears once in season two, then he vanishes, and then he appears as a recurring character after season three. Okay. They just have different actors because of like, scheduling things.
1: I really like the, the setup for uh, the entire series and mm. the justification for how Cat became Cat it it's just it's fantastic, witty, classic English comedy from thirty years ago.
0: It's just it's it's bizarre. i to use the
1: word quintessential. I'm
0: gonna go bizarre.
1: It it's pretty bizarre. It's, it's pretty bizarre. Though. The scene where Lister's walking around on the ship after everyone's been disintegrated, asking the shipboard AI what's going on, while just eating the dust of all the dead crew. That is
0: it's. That's one of the <laughs> funniest moments in the show. Um. It's really good. Norman Lovett, who plays Holly, is, he's, he, he was a, is, sorry, he's not dead. Um, Norman Lovett. You're still alive. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, in series 13 as Holly, which is oh, wow. re- really cool. Um,
1: Must be a bit of an old boy now.
0: Oh, yeah, he's, um, I mean, the actors are now in their 50s, I think, mm. and he's, older
1: yeah i was gonna say holly wasn't a young man in episode one
0: no i think he's like he was like the only like established member of the cast in that everyone else was just new mm. but yeah no um that that scene is considered one of the best scenes or i think it might be considered one of the best scenes of british comedy
1: it does kind of sum up british comedy
0: i've yeah i've i've read that so but the um everybody's dead Dave. just that The the way he it's 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 really good. The way he delivers it is amazing. I was
1: gonna say that's. I was thinking, what was the quote? What was the quote? Everybody's dead, Dave. Yeah, just that. Everybody's dead, Dave. uh, Sequence or scene, if you Mm. will, is is it's it's quintessential English comedy. It's fantastic.
0: It's a really interesting show, and I don't think it would be allowed to get made. To do why the premise is so a bizarre and b simple. I just I just don't think it it would be allowed to get. Or oh, not, not allowed, I, I, I don't think it will be greenlit.
1: Well, when it comes to the BBC and everything they make, there are two time periods, and there's like a, uh, a significant and obvious line in between mm. those two time periods, mm. like uh, BC AD, and it's mm. before BBC Sherlock miniseries, after BBC Sherlock miniseries. Yeah. Because every. I know you're the film and television person. Everybody wants to be Sherlock nowadays. Everyone wants to remake Sherlock. So no, I think you're right. I don't think they'd ever be able to green light something like Red Dwarf again. That's beauty is in its simplicity. Because everybody wants to make Sherlock.
0: Everybody wants to make something uh like new and groundbreaking. And Red Dwarf is groundbreaking, but not in like a like a in like a technology way. In that it's
1: groundbreaking sh- for like thirty years ago.
0: Yeah. But <laughs> the scene like I. I um, in series one, where they um, take the the ashes of George and they shoot him off into space, that's just a wheelie bin. That's just a wheelie <laughs> bin they've painted on.
1: What do they shoot out into space?
0: Yeah, yes. Yeah, so the, the the prop they use is nothing fancy. It's just a bin. <laughs> and there's some nice. there's some outtakes of it of them doing it and it and it going thunk and everyone just like laughing Cause it's such. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It's it's uh, the general understanding of Red dwarf. It's it's as I said a second ago, beauty and simplicity is. It's so so low budget, by its own very existence is low budget. Hmm. It was pitched as here is this low budget thing because you are spending a lot of money on Doctor Who.
0: Hmm. In the later series, obviously we've talked about this before, but um, in series uh, nine uh, seven, um, they get rid of the, they get rid of the studio audience.
1: Oh, really? In favor of. What, canned laughter, or something.
0: They kind of swap between what they're doing. Um, one of them has no laughter at all. I think that's um, I think that's Back to Earth uh, series seven doesn't have a studio audience, but it's the episodes are played to an audience, and they just add the laughter on top of it.
1: <laughs> that sounds awfully stupid.
0: Yeah, and that's that's one of the reasons again why people don't like that period of Red Dwarf because it it, it takes away the whole sitcom kind of what makes Red Dwarf special. Because a lot of it is like the audience. Oh, sorry, um, a lot of it is the actors like acting t- to an audience. They can like react to the jokes. There's there's one behind the scenes thing of um, a scene with Crichton and Lister and um, Robert Llewellyn remembers that it's so funny that the and the, lord, and the audience is laughing so much they have to shout their lines at each other. And the only reason Chris Barry knew when to come in the, into the scene was when he saw their mouths stop moving, because he couldn't nice. hear anything.
1: Can I go off on a tangent? Yes, you may. Why would you ever film anything in front of... I think it's in your wheelhouse. Why would you ever film anything in front of a live studio audience, as opposed to just adding in canned laughter? Second question. Mm. If this is, uh... If you film in front of a live studio audience... Mm. Obviously, you're not filming it live, person. You're not live streaming it. Um, mm. So, if if Craig Charles walks in, fucks up his lines, do they just okay from the top, reset, and just go again? And the audience just watches several takes?
0: Yeah. Oh. So, to answer question two first, uh, yes. Um, if he goes in, fucks up his lines, they just start again, okay. and the audience have to like laugh again.
1: <laughs> no, that it's, sounds really uncomfortable.
0: Mm, I. But it, it is funny, it, the show is funny enough that uh, you do laugh when you hear the jokes again. Because when you go and watch a, a, a something like that that's like filmed in front of a audience, sometimes they have to do it again and again to get different takes, like di- different yeah. camera angles. I think with Red Dwarf they generally try to get everything in, they use various cameras and try to get it in in, in like one take.
1: Yeah, live studio audience and single camera production I don't think go hand in hand
0: But it's its not like in Friends Is it? Is it in Friends? Or is it in Big Bang Theory where the audience Are essentially told when to laugh Oh really? Yeah, its I think it might be Big Bang Theory It also might be Friends
1: <laughs> Without wanting to uh, flog a dead horse Too much uh, That does sound a bit like Big Bang Theory That yeah, you okay. need someone on the side Essentially with a, a card saying Laugh <laughs>
0: No, that's 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 what they do have on on some of the, on some of those shows now, yeah. <laughs> to make sure the jokes. What's the point? It's to make sure um, the jokes appear funny.
1: It's, but if you're going to force laughter, just like forget the um, forget the logistical nightmare that it is trying to get in an audience and just in post, add canned laughter. Same effect, right? Yeah. How much do people really care about this? Was filmed in front of a live studio audience. How much do people care about that, or can you just can the laughter and because exa- it sounds the same? And as you know, I know that everybody knows
0: mm-hmm.
1: nobody laughs at the Big Bang Theory. <laughs> <laughs> why would they bother?
0: Well, let's go back to Red Dwarf because that's what we're talking about. Um, <laughs> okay. No, no, it's no, a serious cause... question. Let's no, talk about Craig Charles. No, no, no. no <laughs> let's. We're not talking about Craig Charles. We're talking about the live audience versus canned yeah, audience. Yeah, of, course, of um, course. The reason why they pick. Like live studio audience is because it's much more real, so the actors have something to react off of. Oh, uh, so if jokes are funny, they then play it up again in the next take, or they can improvise lines oh, and right. get a larger laugh. Um, if they film it first and then either get an audience to watch it back or add laughter on top of it in post, the actors have to pause while filming.
1: Oh, that's always to yeah. get the laughter i think tell you one's really bad for that. Everybody mm. Loves Raymond is really bad for that. Oh, really? Joke, and then, like, a really long pause. Mm. Mm. Um, I love every... Do you ever watch Everybody Loves Raymond? As a slight tangent. I have not. Watch it, it's really funny. But it's got that kind of American comedy where... I don't even need to describe an exact scene to you, mm. but... Man will say something to woman, woman will say something back to man that's snarky oh. man will say it's it's very like dramatic irony man will go but there's no possible way my granddad will turn up and then like his granddad just like walks through the door and there's a super long pause while the uh while the canned laughter plays where well, this crotchety old man has just walked through and just stood there it's a uh, much like friends uh with it's famous now uh but much like friends where you remove ross's inner oh door. yeah if you just watch the pauses it's super uncomfortable <laughs> super <laughs> uncomfortable but watch Everybody Loves Raymond. It's a lot of, it's. It's actually really good.
0: I haven't actually heard of it.
1: It's great. It's got the guy who did, um, the guy who did the voice for uh, Manny the Mammoth in Ice Age. In what? Uh, I don't know his name. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna Google Manny the Mammoth, and I'll I'll tell you what this guy is called. Do continue. No, Ray Romano. That's it. Ray, it. Roma- Ray Romano. Of course, yeah. Yeah. So Red Dwarf.
0: Red Dwarf. Red Dwarf. The show changes a lot. Is where I was getting at. But the fans still like really love it in that. People don't really like, say, series seven or whatever, but you still watch it because it's Red Dwarf. Yeah, and it's 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 a completely cult phenomenon as well. I I I don't know if you know that it's classed as a as as like a cult TV show. Oh really? No, yeah. I didn't know. No, it's uh, it was wasn't amazingly reviewed in its first few series, but then it completely like got swept up in that whole kind of cult um cult media thing. So much so, this is why they revived it because people wanted to know what happened at the end of Season 8, which was honestly one of the biggest cliffhangers in like British sci-fi TV. I don't think there's a lot of British sci-fi TV. (laughs) Um, The Red Dwarf Series 8 cliffhanger, oh wow. Tell
1: me more, I'm intrigued.
0: I mean, I'd have to explain the entirety
1: of Season 8. How much time do we have? Well... Not that long, but it's widely regarded as one of like the biggest cliffhangers. Do we have the six hours required for you to explain series eight of Red Dwarf to me? I'll see if I can... If you can, if you can bullet point it. I'll
0: see if I can describe the entire thing really quickly.
1: What's the huge cliffhanger? I want to know. And also, how's it resolved?
0: Mm, okay, so... Uh, at some point in Red Dwarf, Red Dwarf is lost and... The cast, well, the characters have to go and chase after Red Dwarf in Starbuck.
1: Red Dwarf is the ship.
0: Red... Oh, oh no. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Red is the ship. Mm-hmm. So they lose Red Dwarf, and they have to chase after Red Dwarf, and this t- takes about, I think, three or four series. After uh, Series 7, in which Rimmer has been replaced by Kachansky, they manage mm-hmm. to find Red Dwarf again, which has been... I think I th- I think it's been shrunk and put into Lister's laundry baskets. It's very odd. Anyway, they managed to expand Red Dwarf and rebuild it. They accidentally re- rebuilt the entire crew okay. before the accident. Uh, because of
1: oh, like the whole like everybody, everybody.
0: Because of this, um, all of them, including all
1: 160 of them.
0: Oh, by this point, it's like a thousand. Um,
1: all a thousand of them.
0: So they get back onto Red Dwarf. Chris Barry, uh, sorry, Rimmer is now alive. Nice. And they're all thrown into prison on Red Dwarf on level I think thirteen. So series series eight is all about them in prison. This is this is where the whole like uh, bunk, um, Rimmer and uh, the the bunk room Rimmer and uh, Lister conversations come back. This is why people kind of like series eight because it brings back the like old Red Dwarf. It's clever. Anyway, the end of the series an escape pod from a ship. Uh, Turns up on Red Dwarf. It's got a microorganism inside it that dissolves everything, which spreads onto a ship and starts destroying nice. Red Dwarf again. Uh, in in order to stop this, uh, Lister and Rimmer, well, Lister, Rimmer, and Kachansky, and the cat uh, devise a plan which means they enter a mirror universe to try and get the antidote for this um, microorganism because in, in their world everything is flipped. So instead of having the virus there, they have the vaccine. Nice. Right. Rimmer. Goes into the mirror universes, kisses a few people, because apparently he's really hot there. Um, comes back in. <laughs> he finds the antidote cesium francolithic mixy hyoblific Dixie Dixie Doxy Doxy Drexide, I think.
1: Have you rehearsed that?
0: No, I I've just read it off.
1: You just nailed it first I Just
0: time. nailed it first. Kinda nailing it. Rimmer, retur- Rimmer returns to Red Dwarf, realizes that the vaccine, the word for the vaccine is now the actual word for the virus, because he's not very sensible, he realises he's now the ship's captain, the entire ship is destroyed, and the final scene is um, him kicking death in the balls as he comes as the Grim Reaper comes to claim him
1: So the cliffhanger is, does Lister die? Because death is approaching and there's this huge virus and he's got the vaccine, but uh, improper distribution at the moment and uh, death is coming Very on brand
0: very on uh, how does brand. The, how does
1: the cliffhanger resolve itself, itself?
0: So this cliffhanger was in 1999. <laughs> on the 5th of April, 1999. According to the Wikipedia page. Now, people have had to wait. So this was apparently it for Red Dwarf. There was some talk about like having a movie that didn't go through. Anyway, Series 9 was commissioned, which is Back to Earth, which is the one you've watched. Mm-hmm. And guess what? What? They just don't mention it.
1: They just don't address. They just it. don't address. How how it. long is the gap? How long's the wait between eight and nine? Uh, in universe. In universe and IRL. Uh,
0: it's ten years IRL and nine years. Wow. Um, in universe and that's. Wow. It. Uh, they're back to the format. Uh, they're back. To, well, series nine is really interesting. Series nine is really interesting because they they try and take the whole like movie format. It kind of works.
1: What's what's the movie format? Tell me about it.
0: Oh no, I mean just they tr- they try and film it like a movie with all like with all like really cool special effects, which work. Um, oh, okay. Like it's it's a proper. I mean, it's called Back to Earth, but it's split into three parts. But it was recorded as like a ninety-minute special. Okay. And that's this is the one that you've seen where Listers on the bus. Yeah. Where Listers on the bus, uh, they make it back to Earth. Hence the the title. And everything is pretty much the same as it was, yeah, in season three in terms of cast. So there's Rimmer, sorry, Hologram Rimmer, Lister, the Cat, and Crichton. Mm. Kachansky is apparently dead, completely unexplained, and Holly's out of commission because Lister left a bath running for nine years and they haven't finished drying him out. And that's kind of it. This is why it was very frustrating for fans, I think, yeah, okay, no doubt. who had that like wait, but I also think it's I it's quite on brand for Red Dwarf, just to not mention Sorry. it. Yeah, there's there's a continu there's a continu- oh, continuous lack of continuity past series three. They've they've tried to rectify it, um, in the more recent series, but uh in, in that they just don't mention particular plot points and the the number of the crew keep changing. Um the layout of Starbug keeps changing. It suddenly becomes a lot bigger. It's very odd, but it's great. I mean, it's it's, it. it's 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 completely on brand. Um, but it's one of the biggest cliff. It's I think the biggest cliffhanger in the show's history. That is just completely
1: unresolved. And no one's ever said to one of the writers, "Hey, you, you know, what happened? You know, catch him at a comic con, maybe. Hey, what happened, man? Explain that word with the ten years." And no one's ever cornered the writer and just asked.
0: I imagine they have done, but I cannot remember it's, what she said. Ignorance.
1: Hey man, season 8, what the hell happened? I don't know. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> the ones I've seen so far, where it is just two blokes on a bunk bed in, and then like transitioning to a corridor then they're in a room with some tables uh, but it's very much about the interactions between the people not so much the super cool special effects even though I haven't been exposed to any of the super cool special effects yet I'm much more of a fan of just two guys having a chat.
0: I can't remember why they switched. I think they just wanted to. I think it's because Cat became like mm. a, a bigger part of the plot. So did Crichton. They realized that in some scenes, uh, Chris Barry and Craig Charles mm. worked better with other people. But I think they've resolved that just. That dis- I mean, obviously they've resolved that like, yeah, more dispute. Yeah, on you know? that
1: point, uh, working better with other people. There was talk that they didn't really like each other that much. You've mentioned that one before.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I mean, this is this it. is only like rumor because they'd never confirm it. Yeah, they've they've never really confirmed it, or I mean, they wouldn't. It's really bad publicity. But the two mm. actors are too similar to their characters, and that caused like a lot of con- con- conflict on set. So Chris Barry was apparently like really um, kind of like on it with with like rehearsals and things and. Craig Charles would like turn up hungover, for example. This has been documented, I think, before. This isn't just um, me saying it. It's and like apparently, they got on character. each other. They got on. They got on each other's nerves a lot. Um, very in character. But apparently, it like it was very difficult to rehearse because they they'd kept they would keep like throwing jabs at each other. So I think eventually they just decided to leave the bunk stuff yeah. on its on on the side for well, a bit.
1: Super on brand accidental method acting.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. In Robert Llewellyn's autobiography, he talks a lot about how those two actors are very similar. Like hmm. Chris Barry is a huge fan of cards, for example. He's 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 a lot yep. like Rimmer, apart from the fact Rimmer's a bit of a dick. And well, Craig Charles is Craig Charles. Yeah, it's 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 very good. It was obviously incredible casting, but that did cause a lot of uh, friction. And there's rumours that, um, well, the, the, the characters became more like the actors as well. So they, they the, the writers took parts of conversations they'd been having, elements of yeah. their personality, which is where Rumor's obsession with cars comes from uh, later. And they kind of used some of the friction they had with each other in the writing. There's a couple of episodes where... Um, Lister and Rimmer uh, either swap bodies or have to imitate each other, and I think they both really got on each other's nerves with, with that. There's a scene in Thanks to the Memories in Season 1 uh, where Chris Barry has to act as Lister, and uh, uh, that there's rumours that uh, Craig Charles really didn't like his impression of him at all. I mean, cause, okay. I mean c- c- Chris Barry is an impressionist as-, as well, so he's... he's good at he's i mean he's he's good at it and i think it just he did
1: i mean how long were they working together before rumors surfaced of like maybe this isn't so great
0: i mean chris barry left in god season, season seven season seven but i think season okay. six was when it all came to like a head i think i think they resolved that before um before he no, left sorry, actually. They resolved
1: it before he left and then he sort of left anyway
0: I think so, but but uh-huh. yeah, because he wanted to take part in other projects and things.
1: What did Chris Barry do in that time where he wasn't uh, he wasn't playing Rimmer?
0: Oh, I have no clue. Really?
1: I don't. I thought you would have known something like that.
0: We can edit this out.
1: Oh no, it's it's staying in. Oh. Your your lack of Red Dwarf cast knowledge is staying in. Oh. I wonder what he did. I mean, Google is your friend on this one. Did the shows something I'm curious about? Did the show suffer for not having Rimmer in for that short time? Because he's, like, he's essential, isn't he? He's, like, the main guy that isn't, like, Lister. I
0: really like Kachansky, so I don't think so. Oh, was it? Okay.
1: It... So when Rima came back, did they keep Kachansky?
0: Yes, they did, yeah. Yeah, they they kept okay.
1: her. And then just sort of disappeared her at the end of Series 8, and it was never spoken of again.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think she was planning to return, but they um it, it clashed, so she just hasn't come back.
1: How long do you reckon it will go for?
0: Red, woo. Um
1: you're gonna have a Star Wars situation where you've got uh Lister akin to Han Solo just running about in his seventies going, I'm getting too old for this in a scouse accent.
0: I think the plan is to continue like they have been with the Promised Land, so just continue making T V movies instead of actual series. Um there's there's been an interview with
1: hmm. with
0: the writer that says he wants to continue it like that, but if they can't, he'll just write another book. Okay. Or they'll they'll do like an they'll do audio books or something or
1: that sounds great. I'd be. I'm a huge. I I love a bit of audiobooks. Oh,
0: if you like the audiobooks, if you like the audiobooks, um, there there are two Red Dwarf books. Um, Infinity welcomes careful drivers and Better Than Life, which are narrated by Chris Barry. Oh, nice. They're great. Yeah, you should definitely give them a give them a watch, uh, a watch,
1: a listen. Yes, I will watch the audiobooks.
0: I've got a question for you, actually. Yes. You've watched. I'm gonna say two. Two episodes of Red Wolf, uh, one from season one and one from season three, because I happen to quite like Body Swap. What Mm. do you think of it?
1: Like, honest opinions from an outside perspective. Honest
0: opinions from an outside perspective.
1: It's so of its time, classic English comedy from the early 90s, late 80s. Like, Mm. I've alluded to this earlier, but it's so of its time. It's quintessential, I think, was the word we were overusing. You look at it and you immediately know, this is like classic English uh, sitcom. Honestly, if I could just give away my opinion straight away, I think it's great. I'm really enjoying it so far. I'm one, two? I think of two episodes in to series one. Oh, yeah. Yep. And just like just loving it to bits. Uh, my first introduction to Red Dwarf in general was uh, sitting on the sofa with my mum, like years and years ago. And I don't remember any of the episode, but I remember the scene of Lister sitting on a bus looking out the window i think it says smeg at one point very on brand and looking a bit down and i said Mum, what's this and she's like it's, it's called red dwarf it's a bit of an older tv show uh she said she really liked it and I said, okay well it's it's a bit old school i thought it was a bit like the clangers and bagpuss like very <laughs> classic english i've heard of it but i i don't really care for it but now i see what she sees in it now it's a lot of fun i'm three episodes deep but it's a lot of fun Love the, pre- especially the first episode. I love the premise and the setup. Um, and the the he's dead Dave scene, I think, it might be the, in terms of like classic English, like on the buses, old school English, uh, comedy, might be one of the funniest things I've ever seen.
0: Oh, yeah. No, it's, it's great.
1: It's such a good scene.
0: I think Future Echoes is a really strange second episode.
1: It, yeah, it's, it did take me a, uh, it did take me a little bit to wrap my head around it.
0: I really like the scene where Lister and Rimmer are on the command deck and they're having separate conversations.
1: Oh, that yeah, that one.
0: And, R- and Rimmer's talking to Lister and Lister doesn't know what's going on and Rimmer walks out and then another Rimmer comes in and they have exactly the same conversation, but this time you know what it's Rimmer's like reacting to.
1: It's it's very well done. I can't remember any of other dialogue that's very well done.
0: I like as it develops as the as a series develops we get a lot more of Cat oh good we we get a lot more of Danny John Jules being just great Um, I love the dialogue they've written for Cat it's so catty
1: Um,
0: they've really captured the essence of a cat
1: do you want me to like edit a groan in in post at that terrible part? no good (laughs) because I would no